0: Open our eyes, Lord. We need to know what your heart is as we go through the message this morning. Don't leave anybody untouched. In the name of Jesus, release your anointing this morning on your servant and let him skillfully remove himself from the equation, allowing your people to stand face-to-face with you, dealing and, di- and hearing directly from you and doing something about it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, brother. A dry spell, a dry spell, a dry season in your spiritual life. That's what we're talking about this morning. A dry season in your spiritual life, if I can define it and just be clear about it, is this. It's the time or period in your life when you are deadened, when you are deadened to spiritual things. A dry spell is a season or period in our spiritual life. When you're deadened, when you're what? Deadened, you become numb to spiritual things, spiritual agendas, spiritual purposes. Your appetite for the things of God has gone. You become blind to the goodness of God. God has not stopped being good, but you become blind. You don't see God being good to you around you. You return to idol worship of yourself. For a period of your life, for a period of your time in your life, we call it a a spiritual dry period or a season of, of dryness. During that time, you become a worshiper of yourself, the flesh. You give yourself what you want, not what God wants. Not what God desires. You don't want to please him. You want to please yourself. And those two things are not compatible. That's a dry season. That's how I define a dry period in our life. Listen to me. Dry spells Dry spells can be deeply damaging. Deeply damaging to our walk with God and our progress of faith. They can set you back years. A dry spell can set you back years. And at the end of it, you feel guilty. You feel just guilty. You feel anxiety because you want to pray, but you don't know if you should pray. You want to pray, but you don't know if God is going to listen. You don't feel like praying, but you know that that's the right thing to do. And you develop anxiety because you don't know if anybody's got your back, if anybody's really watching out for you. You feel frustrated. You can't turn to the devil, that's for sure, because you do love Jesus. And because you love Jesus but you're far from him, you feel abandoned. You feel abandoned. Several negative feelings are connected to the end of a dry spell in your life. Listen to me. Dry spells are common in the life of a believer but they don't have to be frequent. Are you with me? It's all good news this morning, don't worry. Dry spells happen in the life of a believer, but they don't have to be frequent. Dry spells can be defeating, but God's word can draw you out. God's word can draw you out. God's word can draw you out. God's word can get you back. And here's the thing. It's always personal. It's always relational. The answer to it is always relational. You never go through a dry spell because life is tough. Because, you know, electricity is going. You go through a a dry spell because relationships are not going great. Fellowship does not exist. Fellowship with God does not exist. That's why we go through. So the answer is always there. So the state of the solution to and the sustenance is always in fellowship. We are in a series called Every Word. We are in a series called Every Word. And today we're looking at how God's word brings us through, brings us through dry spells back to seasons of green, of fruit bearing, of joy. So I want to cover a few things, and there's so much to cover because this is such a huge topic. So we're going to talk about understanding what dry spells are. Even when I've done everything that's right, even when I haven't done anything wrong, why is it that I still struggle with dry spells? I'm going to talk about the causes of dry spells. I'm going to talk about how God's word sustains me you know, to know his word and to feel his presence. Sometimes I don't feel his presence and I just need to know his word, we talk about that. I'm gonna talk about rain and bore wells, rain and bore wells, how to sustain through a drought. And I'm gonna talk about keeping from sinning while you're waiting for fresh wind. Keeping from sinning, doing the wrong thing, making wrong decisions while you're waiting for God to move again, to God to speak again. So much that I need one more Sunday, okay? So there's going to be, to be continued at the end of this. So we'll spill over into next Sunday and finish the next Sunday. So I'll do four and five next Sunday. Try to cover uh, uh, one, two, three today. Firstly, let's look at this. Dry spells, they happen. Sometimes we bring it on. Sometimes God wants to take us to the next level so there are times when God will make you thirsty God will take out everything in your life and not let anything work so that you begin to feel uh, frustrated you begin to feel thirsty you begin to feel like he's not moving not doing it it's because God is so pleased with you God so loves where you're at now he wants to open his heart to you and ex- let, allow you to explore a little bit more of himself see some more goodness in him he wants you to get lost in his magnanimity and his his wonder he wants to show you a little bit more so God takes you to dry spells to make you more hungry so that he can give you more but that's very rare with you and me very rare I mean you got to be really in another place with God for him to take you that for the most part we brought it on for the most part dry spells are our our issue so he deepens our hunger for God so it's not always sin sometimes he's testing the elasticity of our faith are we really banking on God or not He seems to have disappeared. He's not speaking to me. He's not moving. He's not answering. But this is not a dry period. This is a beautiful period where God gives us a thirst so that we want more. Either he's teaching us to trust what he has already said, or he's waiting for you to obey what he previously said, or he's not doing anything and he's just waiting for the right time because God works in his time. No, you don't have to always, when you open the Bible, get a word from God. Not always is there going to be magic, is there going to be inspiration. Sometimes God just wants you to live off what you already know. Joseph, two years, two years he was in prison, did nothing wrong, did nothing wrong. And he was just rotting in prison over there, even though he was doing really well and he kind of everybody liked him over there. Yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. Everybody loved him, started giving him, uh, you know, responsibilities. He became monitor in prison, all that kind of thing, right? But two years, Baker came, Baker went. You know the story? Yeah? God forgot him. God forgot him. But Joseph was faithful. David, he says, why, have you, uh, why are you far from me? Return to us, O oh Lord. Hannah, Hannah was barren. Prayed prayed, 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 prayed. Prayed, 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 prayed. Years later, when she was old, God answered her prayer. You wonder why God goes quiet, Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. Watch this, for they will what? For they will what? Return to me with a whole heart. That's what God's all about. He's trying to get you back. Return to me with her whole heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, this is New Testament. Blessed are those who what? Hunger, and who what? Come on with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what righteousness for they will be filled promise promise spoken promise kept hunger and thirst so there is a good hunger there is a good thirst there's a good insatiable appetite for the things of god so oftentimes a dry period comes because we bring them on i want to look at five Uh, causes why and how we bring them on look at me try and try and think with me don't be overwhelmed with guilt or negative just just work with me so that we are careful about the future you know you know the railway lines that moment when is that moment when i went off track what are the things that make me go off track we want to study that we don't want to point fingers here we want to what are the things that make me go off track what made me go away from the lord where did it start? How did it get me there? How am I here today, so cold, so distant from the Lord? And you understand that because you've been through dry periods in your life. Thank God for the fact that he's always bringing us back. I'm not saying there's only five. I'm sure you can think of more, but I've got time for five. Number one, a deliberate, chosen, sinful lifestyle. Write it down. A deliberate, chosen sinful lifestyle this is when you know what you're doing is wrong you know this is going to lead to trouble but you're thinking just for a little period of time i'll get back i know how to get back i'm just going to take a little bit of a break from god and his people especially his people and i'll be back you know how people leave whatsapp groups and come back leave and come back like that a deliberate, chosen, sinful lifestyle. You don't get into it overnight. It just kind of grows on you. You allow a little bit and it grows on you. James chapter 1, verse 14 to 16 talks about the three stages of sin. First, there is the stage of desire. I just desire it. I don't want it. I just desire it. You know, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I just, I just, I just, I, I'm entertaining the thought about it. But then desire always, like conception, leads to birth. And when something is born, it grows to its complete life cycle, okay, to the point of death. So what is desired then is birth. What is birth then is grown all the way to the full cycle of death. Sin starts with desire. Sin is then born. You think, oh, it's just a baby. (laughs) It grows up. Sin always grows up. To adulthood and then to death this full life cycle essentially says that by the end of it that sin is going to kill your walk with God that sin is going to kill your walk with God and if anybody's sitting here with guilt on your heart and perhaps you're there perhaps you are now at this almost at the point of death or you are this place where I'm sitting in church but I feel nothing for God I I I, I'm just here because I don't want people to take take me badly I don't want my parents to feel bad I don't want You know, I don't want to give up on this, if you know what I mean. I don't want to give up on it, but I'm not there. If you're there and you're feeling sick about yourself or whatever, hold on, there's great news. There's great news. God is a God of hope, a God of life, and a God of joy. But deliberate sinful lifestyle, desire, birth, death, take you away from God. A second reason. A second situation, a second turn off where we begin to move away, stray away from God that leads to a dry period is a heart of ingratitude. A heart of ingratitude. Write that down. This is dangerous. When the heart begins to practice grumbling, the heart begins to entertain what you don't have, what you don't like, what you don't have. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says, "See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God." Then he says that no underlying root of bitterness root of bitterness springs up, causes trouble, and by it many become defiled it's a very very interesting. concept here a teaching here in the book of Hebrews and the author of Hebrews says a root of bitterness where is the root above the ground below the ground root is below the ground can you see it no you can't see it where does the root go it grows everywhere a plant is fairly contained size height but roots can go everywhere and when you entertain bitterness something you got, something you didn't get, something you deserve, something that never happened, something someone something said, someone something should have said, when you entertain, I can't believe he said that, I can't believe, you fixate on it and you, you become absolutely ungrateful. There's a root of bitterness that has gone down and that touches absolutely everything. Even the good people in your life, even the fun people in your life, even the blessings in your life, you're not able to see them as blessings because of this one thing that isn't there. Okay, I've got good news for you. You get 10 on 10 on meditation. You are brilliant at meditation. Okay? Anyone who can be that good on fixating their eyes on what, what they hate or what they're unsatisfied with has practiced meditation to the T. So if there's any good news here, you are great at meditation. Now all you've got to change is what you are meditating on. Quit that. And focus on what God has given you. The goodness of God in your life. The things that God has given you. The people that God has been good to you through. Okay? So, it's very important to understand the the damage. The damage of a bitter root. The damage of a bitter. So, the, 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 the author says, see to it. Can you please underline that? Very important words. See to it. Examine yourself, check yourself, and you can't see it in a mirror, you got to look inside. Is there anything inside me, is there any part of me that's developing a bitterness? Okay, how do you know if you're getting bitter? Well, you can't thank God anymore. Thanks comes very slow. You're not able to say thank you, because whenever you are supposed to say thank you, you can remember all the things that you're ungrateful for. You can, there's so many things that you don't have that you're not able to say thank you for the things that you do have. So there's a lot of introspection and honest, honest review of yourself. Psalm 92 verse 1 and 2. It is a good thing to give thanks. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare. Okay, what do we have so far? Three things. Number one, what is good? It is good to give thanks. It is good to sing praise and it is good to declare. Let's do that again. It is good to give thanks. Be grateful. Say thank you. Say thank you. Say thank you. Say thank you. Just just develop a thankful heart. Number two, sing praise. Sing praise. When you sing the praise of God, you can't sing the praise of yourself at the same time. Sing praise. And number three, declare keep testifying what are the good things let me tell you about what the good things in my life if you have to think for more than 30 seconds about the goodness of your god in your life then you are uh, you're struggling with this area you're struggling with gratitude gratitude should always be overflowing you can't say i have some gratitude gratitude should always be overflowing that means you're full of it and now you're overflowing with it look at the three words again it is good to what give thanks good to sing praise good to declare what should i do what should I be thankful for? What should I declare? Two things. Number one, your steadfast love. When? In the morning. Come on. Your steadfast love. When? In the morning. And your faithfulness. When? <laughs> 24-7. <laughs> 24-7. So, you got a, you got a full job here. In the morning, declare his steadfast love. In the evening, declare his faithfulness. Because God has been faithful all day. God has been faithful all day. So here's your content. Here's what you've got to be grateful for. Don't, and stop having to think about what to be grateful for, for God, how God has given you. For what God has given you. The transfer of property. The transfer of resources. Stop thinking about the transfer. You're going to heaven for crying out loud. Do you get that? Do you get that? Because whatever God gives you will stay on earth. So do you really want everything? Whatever God gives you here, you can't take with you. So do you really want everything? God has promised riches. God has promised wealth. God has promised wonderful things in heaven, in heavenly places for you forever where moth and rust do not. So I want his blessings and I have his blessings. So I thank God on earth for the blessings I have. Don't give it to me now. Because if you give it to me now, it's going to rust and decay. Keep it there where you are, where I will come to you. I'm coming. So you develop a heart of gratitude. Psalm 92, Proverbs 17:22. A merry heart. I used to knew, know a song like this when I was young. I don't know if some of you are old enough that you remember Moses and this song. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Dries the bones. That's about right, isn't it? <laughs> Have you met people like that? Have you met people like that? They look alive on the outside, but the inside, they're just a bit dried up. You can just tell. There's been no joy flowing in their heart. It's not deep on the inside. It's an outward sort of like... <laughs> How are you? Oh, wonderful wonderful. <coughs> Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. A merry heart does good like a medicine. medicine. So a grateful spirit... Uh, gratitude is is medicine half the sicknesses will not exist if we were just number three number three the third area because of which and after which you struggle with a dry period in your spiritual life is a traumatic episode a traumatic episode okay here's where something horrible has happened in your life devastating something brutal has happened in your life and because of that the natural tendency is to go away from god the supernatural tendency is to run to god i repeat a supernatural tendency is run to god the natural flesh tendency is to run from God and you kind of hold God responsible in some way even though you know he's not so you're like for the moment I'm not sure how much you are behind this so can we time out please this is serious stuff traumatic episode like for instance someone dies in your family a premature death when older people die still Painful, but you know that that was the natural cycle of life. You kind of, but when some spouse dies, or when a child dies, or when you have a stillbirth and you have a uh, you have an unborn child that dies, or when a major event happens in your life, a major loss, a loss of a job over a long period of time, a huge opportunity falls apart, something traumatic, something a betrayal. A betrayal of a loved one, a betrayal of someone who said something or shouldn't have said something. And these are the times we call it a traumatic episode. And the natural tendency post that is to say, I need a break from God. Like as if you're going to sort it out on your own. But real truthful, that's the beginning of a dry period. It's not the dry period. It's the beginning of a dry period. Work with me. Job's wife is one of the bad examples in the Bible. Did you know that Job had a wife? Yeah. If I wrote the book of Job, I'd write it slightly different because the children were gone, the wealth was gone, the cattle was gone. Everything got hit except his wife. I guess God really values Marriage. And with her, at least he got more children. So, so that's there. But this woman, who's not one of the better examples in the scriptures, Hannah and Mary and all the fantastic women in the Bible, but this woman, we don't even know her name, God didn't even bother to put her name down. She came to Job. Job has just lost absolutely everything. And he, she came to kick him when he's down. Don't try and think about anybody right now. <laughs> but she came to kick him him when he's down our man has just lost everything and only the six people who came alone to who escaped alone to tell him that he's devastated traumatic episode and she says to him will you still maintain your integrity will you still maintain your integrity in it's not here but the word integrity says are you still going to keep the faith you're still going to keep trusting god your faith hasn't worked out for you look at what has happened look at what god has allowed in your life Curse God and die. Great advice, great timing. Curse God and die. Now, by the way, in the Old Testament, the word blessing and cursing means when I bless, I embrace something. To bless God is not to give him anything, but to embrace him. And curse God is to say goodbye. To curse means to say goodbye. I don't want to have anything to do with you. His wife is telling him, curse God and die. You know what Job says? What a man. Job says, Oh, are you saying that I can take good from God and not bad? Timing, my goodness, after just losing everything, he's saying, I used a great argument by the way. You're saying I can take good from God but not bad from God? Like I deserve it? But after a traumatic episode, the tendency of your metaphorical wife to come to you and say, chuck it. It's not. This faith hasn't worked out for you. Let it go. Matthew chapter 7 verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like what? Is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Now traumatic times and episodes are are some things where it proves you have not been living a a wise life. You've been a fool because your foundation has been sand and not rock. A wise man builds his house upon the rock because the episode is going to come. The episode is going to come. Both rocks and sand are on the side of the ocean. And when the waves hit, the storms hit, there will be destruction. So at that point, you have to ask Am I wise or oh, am I foolish? Traumatic episodes will come. None of us deserve total and full happiness. God has reserved that for heaven. I'm going to repeat it, say it again. None of us deserve full and total happiness. God has reserved that for eternity. For your 60, 70, 80 years on earth, he wants you to know him and he wants you to fulfill his purposes. A traumatic episode. Number four, undisciplined spiritual life. An undisciplined spiritual life. Here's where there are no habits. Habits have not been formed for health. You don't have a proper diet. You don't have a proper fitness regime for your spiritual life. If you've read, written that, go with me to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 27. Cease listening. What does cease mean? Stop. Cease listening. Don't miss this. Cease listening, my son, to discipline. And you will... There you have it. Stop listening to God's word on a regular basis stop letting the word of god become the voice louder than everybody else's voice and you will stray proverbs chapter 21 verse 16 a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead a man who wanders in the way of the of understanding He knows the way but he wanders. He's going to rest in the assembly of the dead. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 talks about fellowship. He says, don't neglect fellowship. Don't neglect fellowship. No, you're not good on your own. You are an ember. You're not a candle. You're not a star that burns on your own. You are an ember. An ember burns when it's along with everything else. With all the other embers. When the ember is taken out and put on the side. You are not listening to me. When the ember is taken out on the side. And put alone. The ember thinks it's hot. Because it's going by it's own temperature. So it thinks it's hot. But it's losing temperature. And only when it comes back to the fellowship. It realizes it's not half as hot as it thought it was. But when it does come back. It gains the heat from the rest and it keeps the faith we are embers we are not candles we are not stars we don't have our own we need fellowship and when we neglect fellowship this is what happens we stray over a period of time that's what happens number 5 a growing this is going to hurt a growing list of the unforgiven sounds like a movie title a growing list of the unforgiven my brothers My sisters, my friends, oh, this is the slammer. This is where the rubber meets the road. Let's talk about this. A growing list of unforgiven. First, there's one person you can't forgive. Then it becomes two. Then it becomes three. And now you've lost count of the number of people you haven't forgiven. Here's the problem. God has forgiven you 100%. You have forgiven 80%, 70%, 50%. You think you're a good person because you've forgiven them somewhat. But the list of unforgiven has grown. And when that list of unforgiven people keeps growing, God moves away from you. God disassociates himself with you. God does not want to hang out with you anymore. Pastor Jerry, those are some pretty strong words. Where did you get that from? Jesus. What did he say? If you forgive, my Father in Heaven will forgive you. If you don't forgive, my Father in Heaven won't forgive you. Okay? If my Father in Heaven won't forgive you, we're not going to be okay. So a dry period is birthed and begins and sustains itself and takes you further and further away from God, the more number of people you are not willing to forgive and by the way unforgiveness is a trend it's a cancer it's it's a it's a disease it it doesn't just stop with one person no no that one person i can't forgive but everybody else says no you no you have now got a spirit of unforgiveness you cannot not break out of it until god you allow god to do a deep work in your life this is by far one of the most damaging this is by far one of the most killing it's killing our church today Right in this room, under this one roof, in these four walls, right here, right here, a maximum number of you are struggling with lack of peace, lack of joy, inability to see the future, foggy vision about God's goodness and God's plans and purposes for your life, unable to get involved with God's ministry and and, and purposes for for you. You are not able to handle the uh, relationships and manage the relationships around you because there is a lack of forgiveness. Right here in this room, not one or two of you, a lot of you, Half of the sickness, half of the fevers, half of the anxiety, half of the stomach problems, half is because you don't forgive. Forgiveness is directly proportionate to your health, your gut health. And God wants you to know that that is a starting point psychologically for you to begin a dry period in your life. One person you can't forgive for a short period of time, I understand. I understand. I've been hurt and Abused, I have been. My reputation has been dragged through the dirt by just a few people. My name has been tarnished. Things have been said about me uh, that I, I, I can't. I, I don't even know where to begin to fix it. I don't even know how to begin to do it. And these are godly people, God loving people, Jesus loving people. Are you with me? I know how hard it is god has taken me through that painful experience of having to forgive the worst of the worst so i know that it is difficult but it is not impossible and god is a god of forgiveness that's what he's really good at what he's really good at is forgiving and if he can't help you with that i was going to say so god help you but then are you with me are you with me one of the biggest reasons we go through dry spells is because of the growing list of unforgiven. Luke chapter 17 verse 3 through 5. You're not going to like this verse. Pay attention to yourselves. That's a good start. If your brother, notice he's not talking about a friend or an enemy. It's easy to forgive enemies. It is <laughs> easy to forgive Apne bhai how could he do it? How could how how could? If your brother sins, rebuke him. Hey, that's great because he's your brother. You got that freedom. Rebuke him, and if he repents, oh, I don't I know, Lord, I only like the rebuke part. Can I just keep it there? Some people have a confrontation ministry. <laughs> have you heard of that? Some people pride themselves. Oh, I, I know how to confront. Everybody and everybody, they just go around with their two AK-47s. <laughs> Everyone, from man to woman to pastors to leaders, their job is to go into churches and, you know, hey, you're wrong. Sin, sin. <laughs> sin, sin, sin. sin. Yeah, all they ever see is sin. They're, I call it a ministry of confrontation. I like the rebuke part. I don't want the he says here, pay attention to yourself. Your brother sins, rebuke him and if he repents, yeah, so hopefully he doesn't repent because then you're going to have to forgive him. Here's the bad part. And if he sins against you seven times, Ore <laughs> and turns to you and seven times he says, oh, I'm so sorry, I did it again, I'm so sorry. Seven times! I'll tell you another word I don't like. Must. <laughs> Why did he have to put that word there? Look at it. He says, I repent. You? Care, yeah, Lord. Care yeah, problem. Yeah, what? What? Just give me three people. I just want three people. Doesn't it feel good to just hold something against someone? You just kind of feel justified. You feel like you feel empowered, you feel like you know that like their future is in your hands or something like. <laughs> I'm not going to forgive you. And then they leave and have a great life, and you're still stewing here in your own oh brother, this is the, this is the mind-blowing. If they do seven times, say you must forgive them. the apostles, the disciples, he's talking to the apostles, he's talking. To them. Apostles said to him, but what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? No, that's not what they said. Look at what they said to him. Lord, increase our faith. Because forgiveness is a faith issue. Forgiveness is a faith issue. How how is it a faith issue? It means if I let this fellow go, this guy, if I let him go and I forgive him, Will God take care of my, will God take care of me? Will God see to it that justice is done? Have I released justice into the right God, into the hands of the right God? It's a faith issue. Whenever you're forgiving someone, it's not about their sin. It's about how much faith you have in God to deliver justice to you. Can I say that again? Whenever you forgive someone, it has nothing to do with their sin. It has to do with what you can believe God, if He is a just God or not. Okay, so if you don't forgive, you will be left with bitterness. You will be left victimized. You'll feel like everything is their fault. People have screwed up your life. People have messed up your life. Life would have been better. Your marriage would have been better. Everything. Your happiness would have been better. Everything would have been better if he, if she, if he, if she, if the de- wrong. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. God has given you joy. God has given you the Holy Spirit. God has given you a future. God has given you a calling. God has given you a mandate. God has given you his presence. God has given you his promises. God has given you his family, his extended family. God has given you every good and perfect gift. And you have everything you need for life. Everything else was a bonus. And if you don't have that, you should not never miss it. That is the life in Jesus. That is the life in Jesus. Let me explain something to you. is a detour, but it should help you. This is what makes Jesus the happiest person on earth. John Piper has just released a book on that. This is what makes Jesus, this is not from his book, but I'm saying it to you. This is what makes Jesus the happiest person on earth. Everything about his life was about pleasing the Father. You got that? Got that? Everything is about his life. I came here to please the Father. I want to please the Father. If the Father has told me to do this, I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. If it's for you, I'll do it, but because because the Father. I, I, I've, I, I, that the world may know that I love the Father and do exactly as he says, John chapter 14, verse 20, 29 30. So it's all about the Father. Then he does what God wants him to do. Nothing in his life was what he wanted to do. Nothing in his life was what would, would have been pleasurable, would have been uh, great. He, did, he wasn't a hero. Nothing. He had to die at the end, a shameful, horrible death. God wanted that, Jesus did it. Now, everything about his life makes him the happiest person because he lived to please the Father. Are you with me so far? Now, what makes you the happiest person on the face of the earth? God says, Jesus did absolutely everything I wanted for you by living for me. Now I want you to be in Christ, Christian. I want you to do everything you do in life. I want you to live for, die for, love for, forgive for Jesus. I want your heartbeat to be for the smile of Jesus' face. I want you to live for the glory of Christ. I want you to give the glory of your life to Jesus because he gave his glory to me. Do you get that? So what makes Jesus the happiest person on earth is that he lived for the Father. What makes you the happiest person on earth is that you live for Jesus. Anything less than that and you'll never be happy. You will never be happy. You'll always be negotiating. It'll always be somebody else's fault. Come back to Jesus. The dry period is over today. Come back to Jesus. The dry period is over today. Sin may have taken you farther, but Savior The Savior will bring you back. Bitterness, vengeance, victimized, feeling robbed, all history. There's there's a trail of damage, my brother. There's a trail of damage, my sister, when you have gone through a a dry period. There's a residual guilt that you can't get over because you walked away from God. It's like losing your first love. When you're first in love and then you lose that love, it's never possible to get back to that. Ever. Ever. There's residual guilt, there's restoring that passion, you can't get back to that. There's relationships that you started during the dry period that you can't now get rid of. And then there's irreversible decisions, stupid, stupid decisions you made during your dry period that now you're stuck with. You're now stuck with it. Oh God, now now I have to live with that. Marriages that you made during your dry periods, babies that you had, that you died, resignations that you made during your dry period. You didn't seek God on it. You signed documents that now you're like, what? You left the church during a dry period and you don't know how to come back. You got into death during a life. There's, and the list goes on. I'm talking about the damage left behind by a dry spell. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. God is a God of life. He's a life-giving God. There is no situation that you have gotten yourself into that he cannot give life to. Nothing that you have done or taken you so far and damaged life so much that he cannot breathe life back into your... No mistake you could have made that could be so devastating that God cannot work around it. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say I bring the resurrection in the life. He didn't say I do resurrections. He said I am the resurrection. He says resurrection is not a time, it's not an event, it's a person. There's a story about the apostle uh about the, the prophet Ezekiel. Have you heard that? Ezekiel. And he was a prophet of God, and God gave him an audiovisual demonstration. You know these audiovisual demonstrations like the animation that they made, like it's a show of a baby being born and you can see the whole thing, or a knee trans, you know, like the, the knee transplant. And you get to see the whole thing happening before it ever happens. And you get to see what's going to happen. If you know, and they do the today, animation is insane. God was good at it. And God gave Ezekiel an, an animated audiovisual demonstration, put him to sleep or whatever. And he said to Ezekiel, let me read it for you, okay, so that we don't go too much. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out to the Spirit uh, uh, by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. So what's the situation? He's brought him, theater setting, in the valley, and the valley is full of bones. Why is the valley full of bones? Because there was a war there, and two armies came, and they all killed each other, and they deteriorated, and all finished, and now we only got all Hadi buddy over there, just 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 the valley full of bones. You've heard of the. All right. He caused me to pass among them. Go, walk, go. Ezekiel, walk among the bones. And behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, many bones. And lo, they were all dry, dry bones. And then he asked Ezekiel a question Son, son of man, can these bones live? And for the first time, Ezekiel used the phrase, God knows. She's there. O oh Lord God. God knows. And God does know. God does know. So he says to him, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these dry bones, uh, to these bones, Behold, I will cause bread to enter into you, and you may come to life. I will put sinew that's muscle flesh will grow back on you cover you with skin and put breath in you and that you may come alive and you will know that i am the lord because the end result should be a relationship with god that's why you're brought to life the end result should be a relationship with god that's why you're brought to life the end result a relationship with god that's why god forgives the end result of, of a miracle is relationship with god that's why god does what he does okay let me tell you the rest of the story you, you trust me you trust me? Okay, this is what happens. So he says prophesy over them. The word prophesy means to foretell or foretell. He says tell with, com- t- tell with conviction, tell with authority, talk to the bones. So here's Ezekiel in his dream. This didn't didn't happen, okay? No dry bones. Okay, so don't go saying dry bones. My husband is a dry... Don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> God... <see. laughs> so he says, speak to the bones. And he spoke to the bones, okay? And this is what happened. Phase one, phase two. Phase one, he says spoke to the bones, and the bones began to... D- they all start finding each other, okay, and that's a rattling piece of movie theater that worked there, you know. So all the all the bones started rattling, and Ezekiel's like, "Whoa, this is so cool!" And then all the bones finding each other, arm finding leg, and then and then the bones start finding muscle, <laughs> tissue, flesh, skin, and they were all lying there like that, all fully formed, fully formed, but no life in them, like many believers. Okay? Fully formed, but no life in there. Does this ring a bell? Yes. Creation. Remember creation? God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Okay? And phase two was he breathed the breath of life into him. Yes, healing your past, bringing your, your life back to order is one thing God does, but the end result is he wants to breathe his life back into you. Then he says, okay, Prophesy over them again and I will breathe life. And the four winds came from all directions and all of them stood up like an army back again. They all stood up. Then he says to him, son of man, that's the house of Israel. That's the nation of Israel. They are saying we are dried up like bones. Our life is over. We don't have an identity. People have messed with us. They've robbed us. We don't have anything. We don't have walls around us. We don't have a name. We don't have a king. We are dry. We are gone. Case. Tell them I'm going to speak life into their and the and the and the and the house of Israel is going to live again. I will put my spirit within them. Lamentations five twenty one. Restore to us, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days. Ezekiel chapter eleven nineteen. I will give them an, a new heart, a one heart, new heart. I will put it within them. I will put with him John chapter 21 Peter Peter I'm sorry Lord I'm sorry I denied you three times Peter do you love me feed my sheep Revelation chapter 21 behold I am making all things new say it with me behold I am making all things new. the God you worship is a God who can breathe life breathe life into your marriage into your life into your history into your future into anything you think is dead God can breathe life into that when you can't see Close your eyes. When you can't feel, trust what you know. When you can't understand, ask for wisdom. When you're about to give up, hang on. Hang on. What what should you do? Repent. Seek God's face again. Renew. Seek God's word afresh. Rekindle. Seek God's presence anew. Reconnect. Seek God's people around. My dear brother and sister, wherever you are, whatever you are, or whatever place you are in your life, God can speak life into you. So you've learned about dry periods, but maybe you're in one right now, and God is calling you back to life. God's calling you back to himself. It doesn't matter what got you there, what matters is what's going to get you back, back to green, back to fruitfulness again. So some people in the solutions, they wait for rain And some people dig wells. Some people wait for rain and other people dig wells. Next week we'll talk about that. Let me say a word of prayer for you. Father, these people are amazing. They're patient. They are quiet. They are thinkers. They are hungry for your word. That's the only reason why they would be able to sit through such a long sermon. But Heavenly Father, do them good. Do them good. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on them. Oh God, let your presence fill their hearts and minds. Fill their homes. Let the word of God be evident in their life. Let it be read every day. Let the voice of God just speak life and spirit into them day by day. I don't know what they're going through, I don't know the burden they carry online people are listening to me online for some some have tuned in for the very first time online today and lord there's a reason they tuned in because you are calling them back this is not my word this is your word this is not my desire this is your desire you are wanting people to come back to you so that you can put a new heart so that you can breathe life you don't want them to just walking around like like corpses you want them to live and the spirit of god gives life jesus is the resurrection and the life today Today, breathe life into the one who's listening to me so that they may know that you are the Lord. Jesus.